Hey, we are, uh, we're, we're talking about this idea of following. I'm going to explain what that's about here in a minute. But before we do, I want us to try something a little different. We haven't done this in a while. Um, and you're actually going to get to um, participate. I know some of you who uh, haven't been to church before, this was that moment you were terrified about. Don't worry, it's very non-invasive. Invasive. Uh, it's uh, actually all it requires is a cell phone. So um, I wanted to just kind of set the scene here for what I'm going to talk about this morning. So if you have a cell phone, I want you to join in with me. And uh, you can get your cell phones out now, what you're going to do is you're going to find uh, your texting app, and you are going to simply text the phrase CC555 to the number 22333. So this is in participation here. We're going to have a little poll here, and you're going to get to text in your votes and decide what you think the answer is. All the middle schoolers and high schoolers who got dragged to church this morning are already like, this is awesome. You can keep your phone out for the rest of service and just pretend you are still playing this game as you're uh, on Snapchat there. So um, get your texting apps out, and uh, in order to join in this uh, little vote to uh, voting poll thing this morning, you'll need to start just by texting the words CC555 to the number 22333. Okay, I think I've allowed enough time, but um, the, the code will be at the top of each slide, so you can join in as the morning goes on. So, What's the cost? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Before I talk about it in the context of what the Bible has to say, I thought I'd talk about it in the context of um, our families here this morning, our parents who are um, dedicating their babies. So you may be disappointed. You may be upset when you hear some of these answers this morning because we're going to ask the question, what's the cost? So the very first slide, a little bit of a uh, softball here to warm you up. If we can jump to, okay, so... How much is a pack of 31 newborn Pampers diapers? Okay, someone's already guessed $14. You simply text A, B, or C. If you think that pack of diapers is $4.97, text the letter A. If you think that pack would cost $8.97, you can text the letter B. And if you think a packet of 31 newborn Pampers diapers would cost you Fourteen dollars and ninety-seven. Now, some of you very um, clever mums have already worked out. Okay, it's a pack of thirty-one, so I know that because there's different size packs. They all come in. Other parents who haven't bought diapers in about ten years have absolutely no idea how much diapers cost anymore. But you can go ahead and guess anyway. We'll see how many smart people we have in the room this morning. So, uh, obviously, no one has paid four dollars and ninety-seven cents for a packet of diapers in a long time. Uh, no one guessing that amount. So, but there seems to be a pretty good split there between those two, I will tell you that if you were in the minority this morning and you texted B, you were correct. Okay, yes. At Walmart, currently, you can get a packet of 31 newborn diapers for the great price of $8.97. You might say, well, why would I buy a packet of 31? Why do they even come packaged 31? Well, it's because you can split the diapers to say, okay, mum, these are for all the times you'll change the diaper, and dad, these are for the times you're going to change. That's why the extra one's in there. So mum can do it 30 times, and dad can change one diaper. So he gets to kind of feel like he's a part of the whole thing. So uh, I'm sure it's nothing like that in your families. I'm sure you're all very equally sharing the role of changing those diapers. Move on, Dave, quick. Okay, uh, second question. All right, now we're going to get a little bit more uh, tricky here. Oh, someone's already guessed. What is the actual cost of raising a baby in its first year? 
Some mums and dads whose babies we prayed over this morning. I've got some scary news for you here. We did some research. It's either 21000 35000 or $52,000 you will spend in the first year of your beautiful baby boy or baby girl's life. So what do you think it is? The, the votes are coming in. I can feel it moving backwards and forwards behind me. All right, a lot of people. I think that's more of a hope. I think there is a lot of parents like, I hope it's A. I really do hope it's A. <laughs> no one wants to text C because what if it really does cost C? Okay, those votes are going to keep coming in. Let me tell you what my research discovered this week. I was online. I was reading all about this. And here's what I discovered. What I discovered is that if you are a household earning somewhere around $40,000 a year, then the correct answer is A. 21,000 is what you'll spend on a baby. But here's what I found out that was crazy. Apparently, if you're a household that's bringing home $200,000 a year, the correct answer is C. You'll actually spend 52,000. Now, it's the same baby. So I'm not really sure how this works because nothing changes between the two babies. But obviously, there's a lot of stuff out there that you could buy for that baby. Video monitors and strollers that are like built-in power things, I don't know, all these different amazing things. So you could spend potentially $52,000, but somewhere probably between those two. And now the last question. This is the scariest one of all. The life of your child, okay? Oh, yes, yes. Some of you are already, <laughs> there are dads here this morning who have teenagers who are just going to realize, this is how much it's cost me, how much I've spent. How much will your baby cost you by the time he or she reaches 18 years old? Will it be... T- <laughs> Some people are figuring, uh, this is what I've spent already. This isn't a guess. They're like, no, I've done the math. I've spent that much money already <laughs> on my child. We've got some guesses coming in. <laughs> All right. Well, I got bad news for your guessing, but very good news for your pocketbook. So the correct answer is A. Okay, so some of you are breathing a sigh of relief. You voted B and you really hoped you were wrong, but you felt like that was a, a reasonable number. Um, according to a study done recently, they averaged out across the country, and obviously it varies from demographic to demographic, city to city, but, but the average across the board, across the United States of America, is that a child can cost around, and I'd, that's pretty specific. I mean, I don't know how they figure this out, but it's $233,610. I mean, they got it down to the 10, is how much it could cost to raise a child. All right, thank you very much. Good job. Well done for participating in the little poll there this morning. And you might think, well, Dave, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking? All I wanted was prayer. I didn't want you to like, disillusion me and break my heart here over what this is going to cost me. But the reality is, not one of you considered the cost when you brought this beautiful baby into life, into your families and into to life, is because the difference this child's made in your life. We don't think about the cost, do we? But the reality is that that there is a cost associated with being a parent. But this morning, we're talking about the idea of cost. Not just with children, but but what it means as a follower of Jesus. Because you see, if you're joining us as a visitor or a guest this morning, um, we've been talking about this subject, follow, for a few weeks now. 
Now, I want to assure you that um, although we follow these series, it kind of gives us a format or a theme to follow in our messages. It's not like you've just suddenly tuned into a TV show halfway through season two, and you're like, I haven't got a clue what the guy's talking about. Each message is a standalone message, so I hope you'll uh, enjoy this morning's message, maybe even get something from it. But even though it's a standalone message, we have been following this theme over the last few weeks of what it means to follow Jesus. And we've kind of been unpacking it week by week and and taking a look at it. Because here at Connect, we use this phrase a lot. We talk about people here who have made the decision to follow Jesus. People who are followers of Jesus. And the reason we do that is because um, we've chosen to use that phrase instead of Christian. Because we've found that in today's age, it can be very easy to just throw that word around. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And it's it's almost like it's a label. And it's very easy to apply that label and to, to conveniently take it off when the time's right. And, you know, I'm a Christian because I go to church for an hour on Sunday. I'm a Christian because I got a fish on the back of my car. Um, I'm a Christian because I got a Bible. You know, there can be many reasons we call ourselves Christians. But we feel like a follower of Jesus is kind of a little bit stronger than that. There's actual an action word. I'm pursuing Jesus. There's movement in my life as I follow Jesus. Let me give you an example. I've got a friend in England. His name's Rick. Love Rick. Great guy. And um, I love being friends with Rick on Facebook because there's pretty much a regular basis. He's sharing a funny story of something that's happened in his life. And uh, just recently, Rick shared a story of an interaction he had with a cashier at a grocery store. So Rick is a fan of the same soccer team as me. He supports a club called Crystal Palace. Uh, they're the nearest club to where Rick and I used to live back in England. So a lot of us support Crystal Palace. Um, but Rick, he's more of a fan because of the um, proximity to the grounds, not so much a lifelong committed fan. And, and this kind of gets him in trouble, especially with this particular cashier, because there came a point a while back where the, he acknowledged to this cashier that he was a Crystal Palace fan. And ever since, whenever this cashier sees him, he kind of makes a beeline for Rick and just starts talking about stuff about Crystal Palace. Most of the time, Rick has no idea what he's talking about. He's not quite as committed as this cashier apparently is. So Rick posted this story on Facebook just this week as he was checking out. He went through the self-checkout to avoid this guy. The guy saw him. He came over, just walks up to Rick and he said, I read in the paper that he's staying. Rick's like, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done that when you know, someone's talking to you and you're like, I have no idea what you mean, what you're talking about. If I smile and nod, hopefully you'll say enough other things that at some point I'll catch on. I read in the paper he's staying. Rick's like, Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, huh? I think he should have gone in the summer. Rick said, yeah, yeah. He's telling this story on Facebook. You know, he's like, yeah, I think he should have as well. Crazy, huh? Still no idea what this guy's talking about. And then finally the guy says, that Benteke, that Benteke, he better start scoring some goals. And in that moment, Rick realized, okay, he's talking about this guy who plays for Crystal Palace. He's not been scoring many goals. He should have gone in the summer. And now emphatically Rick's able to go, oh yeah, Benteke, yeah, why, why isn't he scoring? Come on. So I'm sure that's never happened to any of you in here in this room, but it happens a lot to Rick. And as I was reading this story, it kind of made me think, sometimes I think that's a little bit what it's like when, um, when, when we say we're a Christian and we meet someone who's a follower of Jesus. You know, maybe, you, maybe to you being a Christian is just attending once a week at church. Maybe it's because you grew up in a Christian home. Uh, maybe it's because you went to church as a child. But then suddenly you meet someone who's a follower of Jesus and they just seem to know so much more about it. Seem to be so much more committed. And here at Connect, we want to encourage you to, to consider joining us on this journey of following Jesus. We think there is so much more than just being a fan. We think being a follower looks different. It actually changes the way you live your life. 
So that's what we've been talking about. We started out a few weeks ago um, just explaining the idea that it's incredible. When you look at the life of Jesus, there were many people who followed him, and many of them were the most unlikely of people. He would go up to tax collectors, zealots, fishermen, and he would simply say, follow me. When you read about the life of Jesus, you don't hear him saying, now listen, I need you to clean up your act. I need you to stop doing all this. I need you to start doing all this. I'll come back in and check in a few weeks. And if you've really worked things out, then you can follow me. No, he said, follow me. He made it very simple. In fact, when it came to believing in Jesus, we read about the disciples. Some of them still had no idea who Jesus really was. They still followed him, even though they didn't understand exactly who he was. So we talked about this idea that this model that Jesus shows us back in the New Testament, the way it applies to us today is in the same way as he asked them to follow him, he's asking all of us to follow him. And I don't want you to disqualify yourself this morning because you don't think you're good enough to follow him. You don't think you understand enough or know enough answers to all the questions to follow him because when I look in the New Testament, neither did those first people who followed him. Jesus is simply saying, would you consider following me? Because as you follow me, you'll get to learn more. Your life will change. But all you need to do right now is make a decision to follow me. We talked about where following Jesus ultimately leads. You know, one of the best things about being a follower of Jesus is he wants to take you to a place where you learn to understand just how loved you are by him. That was one of the things we were praying over these kids this morning. It's one of the messages they'll hear time and time again in Connect Kids is that God thinks you are special. God has a unique plan for your lives. That's really important for all of us to understand because when you start to understand how much God loves you, this great plan he has for your life, when that faith in you grows, you start to feel a peace like nothing else. You can go into some of the most challenging situations in your life some of the storms in our life we get through simply because we understand how loved we are by Jesus. And that's where he wants to take us as followers to a place where we feel so calm and so at peace and so just accepted by who he is. And last week, Andy kind of continued on talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, people should recognize that in us. It's almost like we have a uniform that we wear. If you go to Target, you'll see a guy in a red shirt, you know that that's the guy who works there. If someone shows up on your, your front porch and they're wearing a brown shirt and a brown cap, they've probably got a package for you because their uniform gives away who they are. Our uniform as followers of Jesus is the way that we love one another. Do you know, Jesus actually said those words. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, you are my followers, if you love one another. That should be a, a uniform that all of us as followers of Jesus wear. People should know, wow, I can tell that you follow Jesus. I can tell that he's a part of your life because I can see it lived out in the way that you love those around you. And now this morning we're going to continue on and we're going to look at the cost. This morning I want to take a look at the fine print. And some of you are like, whoa, 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 Dave. You start out this, this, this message, you start out this series saying, hey, anyone can follow Jesus. It doesn't cost anything to follow Jesus. Now you're telling us there's fine print. Now you're telling us there's a cost. Well, here's what I want you to understand this morning. Here is the fine print. Salvation is free. 
It costs us nothing. But following Jesus will eventually cost us something. Salvation is free. It'll cost you nothing. But following Jesus, it's eventually going to cost you something. Now, maybe you're new to word. You've heard that. Sorry, new to church. You've heard that word salvation before, and you're not really sure exactly what it means. Well, in this context, salvation is to be saved. Jesus wants to save us. Very often, he wants to save us from ourselves. I can introduce you to people here at Connect could tell you stories of, of where they were before they knew Jesus, the mess that their lives was in, some of the, the, the trauma and the, the trouble they had in the past. And then they met Jesus, and he literally saved them. He literally turns their life around. They are living in a different direction today because of Jesus. And the great news is they had to do nothing to get there. Just simply turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. My life is a mess, and I need your help. Salvation for them, for us, for many of us this morning, was completely free. But then they would tell you as well that as we've followed Jesus, as we've lived our lives of following them, there will come a time where it could, and it will, cost you something. And that's what I want to just explain here this morning briefly, if I can. So we're actually going to look at a, um, a passage in one of the letters written about the life of Jesus. A guy by the name of Mark writes this account of the life of Jesus. And he talks about this moment where there's this interaction between Jesus and his followers, the disciples. And they kind of realize for the first time that the light goes on, their eyes are opened to the cost of following Jesus. And they realize there is a choice we're going to have to make. There is a choice in this moment I'm going to have to make as to whether I continue on following this guy now that I understand the cost that's associated with it. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 8. If you don't, we'll have the words up on the screen so you can read along. But in Mark chapter 8 verse 27, it says that Jesus and his disciples, they left Galilee and they went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, so he's talking to the disciples, he said, hey, who do people say I am? So picture that scene, okay? Jesus is there with all of his followers. They're, they're people. They're, they have the ear of the people. They're amongst the crowd. So Jesus is curious. He says, hey, you're out amongst the people. You're, you're with the folks. Who do they say I am? What are they saying about me? So the disciples respond. They, they've spoken to people. They say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you are one of the other prophets. John the Baptist was very famous in that day. He was baptizing people. Um, he, was, he was killed. He was imprisoned and then killed. So, so apparently some of the people thought that Jesus was kind of a reincarnated version of John the Baptist. Others thought he was the prophet Elijah, come back to life. Others thought he was another prophet. So there were all sorts of ideas. I mean, people knew he was something special, but everyone had a different idea of why he was special, who exactly he was. But Jesus was curious. He said, who do you say I am? He wants to know from the disciples. He said in verse 29, who do you say I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. Now this is really important because Peter has, has understood something about Jesus that not many others have. He says, you are the Messiah. The Messiah, that was a Hebrew word. It meant the anointed one. The Greek version of this word was Christ. Okay, so the Hebrew version is Messiah, the Greek word is Christ. Some of you thought that was just Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. It wasn't, okay? Christ is actually a, a title that was used to describe Jesus, the anointed one. 
It was a word that they would have heard spoken of a lot because for, for hundreds of years, the Jewish people had been believing that this anointed one, this Messiah, this Christ would one day come. And Peter said, we think you're him. We think you're the Messiah. That's who we think you are. We think you're the one that they've been talking about for many years. And when Jesus heard that in verse 30, he said, um, Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about him. It's like he's saying, you've got it. You've figured it out. But I'm on a mission here, and it's too soon to reveal that to everyone, so don't tell anyone. It's kind of a strange request. Here at Connect, we want you to tell everyone about Jesus. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell the people you work with, invite them to church because we think it's a pretty big deal. We're pretty excited about who Jesus is and the the transformation he can make in your life. But in this moment, he said to the disciples, hold that thought. But because you figured it out, because you know who I am, let me explain a little bit more of what's going on here. Verse 31, then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders. He's kind of prophesying. He's predicting what will come. He'll be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. He'll be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. And he talked about this openly with his disciples. Peter, the guy who just figured it out, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. So Peter's like, Jesus, uh-uh, uh-uh. Stop, stop, stop with all this death stuff. I feel like in that moment, Peter's kind of like, Jesus, you've got to leave the marketing to me because you're kind of blowing it here. There's a lot of people coming to see you. These, these crowds, they love you. That thing you did with the fish and the bread, they think it's brilliant. They're all coming. They've all brought some fish and bread. They can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Water into wine, amazing. There's a good thing happening right now. Don't blow it. Stop talking about all this death and rejection and this Debbie Downer stuff. You're going to lose some people. Because Peter didn't get it. Peter didn't fully understand what was going on. And listen to how Jesus responds to Peter. He turned around, he looked at his disciples, and then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, do you want to know what's amazing about that verse? So Mark, who writes this letter, okay, we don't know a lot about Mark, but but church historians, they believe that um, Mark, he wrote this account based on what was being spoken about about Jesus, because Mark wasn't one of Jesus' disciples. He wasn't a follower of Jesus. But they believe he wrote this account based on what was being spoken, the stories of Jesus, but that he had some some personal connection with some people who were there who could tell him specifically what happened. One of them was Paul, and he was friends with Paul, so Paul obviously told Mark someone to write. But you know who else was friends with Mark, who kind of contributed a lot to this letter? Peter. Peter. Peter was one of the guys who told Mark what to write down. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm Peter, at this point, I'm like, okay, Mark, so here's what you need to write. Okay, there was this point where, where someone reprimanded Jesus. I, I can't remember who it was. I mean, someone says something stupid. It was probably Matthew. He's a tax collector. He was always saying dumb things, okay? But just put Matthew down, you know. But by now, when Mark was put in, I don't say pen to paper, but scroll, whatever it was, however he was writing it back then, Peter said to Mark, listen, this is important. Because I get it now. 
I understand that I, I'd missed it completely in the moment, but, but now, years later, I can see who Jesus was. I can see why he had to die. I can see, I met resurrected Jesus. You need to make sure you write this down. He said, get behind me, Satan. Write that down, Mark. S-A-T. Make sure you tell everyone, that's what he called me. Because up till that point, I thought following Jesus was all about me. Because you know those crowds who came to see Jesus? Do you know who they had to get through to see Jesus? Me. (laughs) Hundreds of people gathering to meet me because I knew Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus was awesome. I had all these people gathered. It was great. But in that moment, Jesus was trying to explain to me that there would be a cost. It wasn't all going to be great. There would come a time where a price would be paid being a follower of Jesus. And now... I understand that. Now I'm willing to pay that price because it's so worth it. Jesus was getting to the fine print. In verse 34, it says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, this is the fine print, you must give up your own way, Some versions have the phrase, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. She's saying, listen, if you really want to understand what it means to be a follower, there's going to be some denial here. There's going to be some laying down of your plans and your will and your your ideas. There's going to be a cost here to following me. He's basically telling them, hey, salvation is free. It costs us nothing. But following me, following Jesus, will eventually cost us something. That's what he's telling the disciples in this moment. Now, fortunately, the kind of sacrifice he's talking about here is probably something that you and I will never have to face because he uses that phrase, doesn't he? You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. Now, for us, that's kind of a metaphor. For the disciples, it was, it was almost literal. Because when they would hear a phrase like that, take up your cross, they understood what the cross was. This wasn't just some jewelry that someone wore around their neck. This was a form of torture. This was a form of execution that the Romans used to deal with the bad people in their society. And it was a horrible way to die. It would take days. People familiar with crucifixions, people familiar with Jesus using this phrase, when he says, take up your cross, they would know exactly what that meant. They would think, man, I know what he's talking about. I've, I've stood, I've, I've walked five people across, I've seen the pain, I've seen the misery. That's, that's a horrible thing to see. And Jesus is saying, There's, there is a huge cost to following me. And for a lot of those early disciples, a lot of those early followers, it literally did cost them their lives. For you and I, we're fortunate in the world, in the country that we live in right now, this probably won't cost us our lives. But if you make that decision to follow Jesus, if you're here this morning following Jesus, it's a wonderful life, but there comes a cost. There will come times in your life where there is a cost to follow Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. I've got to wonder in that moment how the crowd responded. Suddenly, this, this great opportunity of following the man who does this great teaching, who does these great miracles, it's just a great guy to be following, is talking about some pretty tough things. And I wonder if that moment, some of the crowd, even some of the disciples, started to question their decision. 
Maybe I shouldn't have followed this guy. Maybe I don't want to follow this guy anymore. I, I don't like the sound of where this is headed. I'm not sure that I'm willing to pay that kind of price. Maybe they're kind of sort of backing away from Jesus. And I think in that moment, Jesus sees that and he decides, okay, I need to explain the, the value of the price you're paying. We looked, didn't we, the cost of what it costs to raise a child. But the reality is none of us would trade a child at any point for that cost because we know the value of having that beautiful, precious life. So listen to how Jesus puts a price on this. He says in verse 36, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? He's saying, yeah, there's a price to pay, but you're paying that price for your soul, for who you are, the very heart of who you are. I don't know if any of you have ever seen this um, video. There's a couple of different versions of it, but it's a little video experiment they do to talk about deferred appreciation. And the way they illustrate it is they get a child in a room and they sit him in front of a camera and they put a plate in front of him and they put a marshmallow on that plate. Have you seen that video? There's a little picture of it here if you haven't. This is the little guy. He's given this plate this marshmallow and he's given some very simple instructions. The, the person says, okay, buddy, See that marshmallow? You are not allowed to eat that marshmallow for the next five minutes. We're all going to leave this room. We're going to leave you alone in this room, just you, the plate, and the marshmallow for five minutes. <laughs> then we're going to come back, and if you haven't eaten that marshmallow, you know what you'll get? Two marshmallows. So it's worth waiting. It's worth paying the price. It's worth not eating that marshmallow because if you hang in there, you'll get two marshmallows. If, you'll if you've watched the video, you'll see the anguish this little guy has to go through holding on. <laughs> Every emotion imaginable as he sits there and sniffs the marshmallow and he, he kind of licks the edge of the marshmallow and he's like, oh, why can't I eat the marshmallow? Because five minutes seems like an eternity to have to wait. But if he'll hold on, if he'll, if he'll pay the price, if he'll be willing to, to, to take up that cost, it's worth it. And Jesus introduces this idea to the crowd and says, I know I'm talking about a high cost. I know I'm saying that, that for some of you, this may cost you your life. But let me tell you what the reward is. Let me tell you where the stakes are here. Let me tell you what you're playing for in this game. It's your soul. It's your soul. It's who you are. See, Jesus was teaching the crowd at this point that there is more to this life than just our physical, the flesh of what we know right now, that within every one of us, there is a soul that lives forever. And Jesus says, you may have 70, 80 years on this earth, and there may be great time, but this isn't all there is. Sometimes he would teach about um, what lay beyond this life, that I'm going to go to my Father, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that there is, there is something that exists after this, this temporary life here on earth. Now, some of the people in the crowd, they wouldn't have even believed that. There were people in that day that believed this was it. The, even the Sadducees, if you're familiar with the Sadducees, they were a religious group, they believed that we just had this life and nothing else. They didn't believe there was any life after death, that this was it. So you just do the best you can with the life you've got. But there will be others, like there are today, like there are in this room today, who believe that this isn't it. That there is more than just this. That our souls will live on. 
And Jesus said, that's what's hanging in the balance here. That's the price I'm asking you to pay because it's worth it. You see, for us here this morning, I wonder how we would respond to that question. What cost are we willing to pay to secure a place beyond this life? Or maybe to reverse it, like Jesus said, how much would we be willing to to get? How much would we be willing to give up to make it worthwhile to forfeit our soul? Because for many of us here this morning, we may have plans for our lives to to build a great life. And that may look different depending on who you are. Maybe for you, it's a a wonderful house. Maybe it's a a fleet of vehicles that you own, nice new vehicles. Maybe it's vacations. Whatever it may be, you, you may have a desire to amass within this life as much as possible. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you understand that you're never going to see something like this. You're never going to see a funeral procession with a trailer in tow. Because you may have heard this phrase, but it's pretty common because you can't take it with you when you go. And many people spend their lives trying to, to amass a fortune, trying to get as much as they can. But what if this isn't all there is? What if our soul lives on? What if there's more? And what if you were on your deathbed one day? This is what Jesus is asking his followers in this moment when it comes to the cost. He said, what if you were on your deathbed one day and you'd amassed a fortune, you got so much stuff and you knew you can't take it with you when you go and that there is something beyond this. What would you be willing to pay at that point? to save your soul? What what price would you pay? In that moment, everything. If you're on your deathbed in that moment, I think I would be willing to give up everything if it meant saving my soul. That's what he's saying to these followers in that moment. Yes, there's a cost, but there's a reward. And if you'd be willing to do it on your deathbed, why not pay the cost along the way? Why not accept the cost? So what what does that look like for us today as followers of Jesus? If if you've made that decision or if you're contemplating making that decision to follow Jesus, what does that look like for us? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looked different for all of us, but there will come a moment, if you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus, there will come a moment where you'll be faced with a situation and there will be a cost associated with that situation. The more you follow Jesus, the more you understand his teachings, you'll learn that he talks about forgiveness. He talks about that as followers of him, because we've been forgiven for so much, we should also forgive others. And you'll think about that one person in your life who wronged you and hurt you, and you'll say, I don't think I can forgive that person. But you'll realize that it's not a choice, that Jesus is saying we are to forgive in the same way that we've been forgiven. And you'll realize it's going to cost me. That's going to be a difficult step for me to take. That's going to be a high price for me to pay to forgive that person after what happens. That's the kind of cost that Jesus is talking about. It might be a business situation where you just know, this isn't the right way of doing this, or this isn't the right way forwards. And it could cost you a dream. It could cost you a potential future. But you just know in your heart that God is leading you in a certain direction. And you know that that cost has to be paid. It could be a relationship where you just know that this isn't where God wants me right now. This isn't the place I need to be. And everything in you wants it, but that's what Jesus was talking about. That, that cost, it, it comes sometimes as a case of denying ourselves. 
denying what we want because we know that he wants something better for us. And that might be difficult to make that decision. I talked to my dad on the phone yesterday back in England, and I asked him because I remember this story as I was a kid growing up, him telling me this story, and I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight because I know I remembered it a certain way, and as I asked him to tell me the story again, it was exactly how I remembered it. That's how impactful it was for me as a um, kind of a, a junior hire when this happened. So my parents didn't grow up believing in Jesus. They weren't Jesus followers. When I was in middle school, they both uh, made a decision to follow Jesus, and their lives were transformed forever. My dad runs a business of his own with his brother and another business partner, and it wasn't long after following Jesus that, as a business owner, he was looking at some of the things, the way they ran their business, and there was one particular area where it was cash, it was advantageous to them from a financial point of view, but it wasn't quite right the way they were doing it. And as a follower of Jesus, he realized, I, I can't keep doing this, I can't keep pulling this cash out this way because this isn't the correct way of doing this, this isn't even the legal way of doing this. And he was wrestling with it because he knew that this could cost relationally with his partner and his brother. So he went to them finally and said, listen, guys, I, I don't feel right about doing this. And they said, well, that's fine. Don't do it. We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> and we're going to keep getting the cash. But if you don't want to do it and you don't want the cash, that's fine with us. So he stopped. There was a cost. There was a price he had to pay for, for many months after that. His brother and partner continued to, to benefit from this, this cash. And my dad didn't. But he knew in his heart that this was the right thing to do as a follower of Jesus. Now, here's what I didn't remember. He told me yesterday in the story, he said it was crazy. He goes, it wasn't many months this went on when suddenly something changed. And we had to change a system at work. And because we changed it, my brother and his partner, they couldn't withdraw that cash that way anymore. So they stopped receiving it. But as soon as we all stopped doing it, this other opportunity opened up with business. And the following year, all three of us received more money the correct way than any of us had beforehand. I think God wants to honor us. God wants to bless us when we make the decisions, even if they come at a cost. And can I just throw something else out here this morning, just in light of that story? I was maybe 13, 14 years old. I still remember that. That was years ago. Moms and dads, there are, there are decisions you're making in your lives right now, and your kids are watching your kids are watching. It can make a difference. And sometimes it can be a cost, but you know in your heart of hearts as a follower of Jesus, this is the right thing to do. Not just for me, not just as a follower of Jesus, but because there are others looking on. And I want them to grow up knowing what the right thing is to do. As I was preparing my message this week, I was praying, saying, God, I, my prayer this week is as I'm sharing this thought, that there might be some here this morning who are currently following Jesus, who are like, this is going on in my life right now. I'm literally at this moment wrestling with a decision because I know, I feel like it's like my conscience, but it's God, it's the Holy Spirit. He's tugging at my heart. He's, he's guiding me to make this decision to do this, but I don't want to do it because it's going to cost me. It's a difficult decision to make. But like Jesus said, would you, would you want to forfeit your soul? Think of what lays ahead. Think of the, but put the price in the balance. You know, when we were talking earlier about the cost of raising a child, I almost didn't do that because I was afraid that all the wonderful families who came in to dedicate their babies would think, oh, maybe we've made a mistake here. Two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But the reality is, and I know these families, not one of them, even now they know the cost, would say, yeah, we've changed their minds. Because the benefit of this beautiful life in their arms right now far outweighs the cost. I can tell you, having followed Jesus for many years now, there have been prices I've had to pay, costs I've had to make along the way, but the benefit of a life following Jesus far outweighs any cost. Salvation is free, you know. It won't cost you a single thing. But following Jesus, it may and it probably will eventually cost you something. But can I tell you this morning, they're refusing to follow Jesus. I think that can cost you a lot, lot more. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to gather this morning to worship you, to, to think more about Jesus and what it looks like to follow him and what you're teaching us. And thank you that we can get together to celebrate families, new lives, beautiful babies, and that uncles and aunts and friends and grandparents are here today to celebrate with us. And thank you that those new lives are such a great visual example of what you have for us, Lord. That yes, there is a cost associated with being a parent, but the rewards far outweigh the cost. I think anyone here this morning who's a follower of Jesus would very happily say, yes, there has been a cost along the way, but let me tell you, the rewards have far outweighed the cost. It's been so worth it. If there is anyone here this morning who's kind of considering following you, who's contemplating this, and and maybe one of the things that stopped them from taking that first step is they're afraid of the cost. I pray, Lord, that they would understand this morning that when that time comes, Lord, you'll be there to help them, to guide them. Don't let them be put off by the cost, Lord. Let them understand that the reward is far greater when we follow you. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.